Hello and welcome to Run of the Mills Anime Podcast. I am one of the hosts, Julia, and along with the... Wait, what, what was the word you wanted me to use? Creator? The creator of the podcast, Emily. Hi, nice to meet you. How's it going? Alright, so... What is anime? Anime is a Japanese style of animation, and it is just recently become more popular in, like, in the West. Yeah, in Western countries. So over yeah. the past 20 years, it's becoming very popular. So, today's episode, we will be talking about the anime Oran High School Host Club. It is a shoujo romance satire anime. And shoujo is the typical romance that you would see in anime. Very feminist. You want to explain that? <laughs> so, shoujo, shoujo genre anime and manga. Manga are Japanese cartoons. Comics. No, comics. Yes, you're right. Comics. <laughs> um, graphic novels. Um, shoujo is a more feminine, romantic genre of uh, writing uh, genre. Um, so, it's aimed towards a female audience, and it is romance. And in, in shoujo manga, you see a lot of typical character tropes, such as... So you have the female lead, you got the male lead, you will have the male lead who's the Prince Charming, or who is the nerd that nobody talks to, like that sort of thing. And so Oran High School Host Club makes fun a lot of a lot of those stereotypical character tropes that you see in shoujo manga. And it is beautiful. It's very funny. And <laughs> it also highlights a lot about um, things like class. Like, social class. You're going off on one of your tangents there. <laughs> I'm trying to lead us into the first Yeah, time. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, okay, so Oran High School Host Club, the anime and the manga, is about this group of characters. And, well, okay, it takes place in a private academy, a high school. Very elite. And so, as Emily was saying, there's a lot of references about class. So you got the really rich people, and then you got the female lead who is a scholarship student. So, real quick background about the manga before we really tell you, well, about the manga and the anime before we really tell you more about the plot. So, the, as you know, the manga Japanese comics, and so the manga... Our High School's Club was written and illustrated by Biko Hattori, and the first chapter was published in Lala Magazine, was published by Lala Magazine in September 2002, and it was continued to be published in that magazine until the comic's completion in November 2012. So in Japan, mangas and comics are released by chapter in magazines, so the most popular or well-known of those magazines being Shonen Jump. Shonen is another genre of anime. It's toward it's aimed towards a more masculine audience as they are much more action-based. Alright, and then the anime was released in April 2006 and it was licensed for distribution across North America by Funimation Entertainment, which is a distribution company and does dub voiceover. So anime, as it is from Japan, is done in Japanese. So there are companies in the United States and in Western countries that will buy the rights to animes to do voiceovers in different languages. So the original anime, like audio, is referred to as sub because you have to, you know what they're saying through subtitles. Then the voiceover one is known as dub. So there is a big debate in the anime community where they're dub or sub is superior, I really don't care, so long as I can understand what's going on. <laughs> That's really all that matters to me. I agree. Alright, so the dub director for the Oran High School's Club was Caitlin Glass, who voices Haruki, our female lead. Alright, dub director is also known as the ADR director, which stands for Automated Dialogue Replacement, which is used a lot in movies for sound effects and the whatnot. Very fancy title. <laughs> yes. Alright, so, before we really get into what we're talking about today, we won't be discussing the ending of the anime. We don't really want to get into that. We want to talk about, like, character development. And we, we don't want to spoil like, anything for anyone that wants to look into this anime. 
or might actually get into this or might still be watching. Yes. So, or reading, yeah. if you're reading. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about a lot. So if you don't want any subtle spoilers, you should probably go watch the anime first. But or we're read not the manga. Gonna, yes. But we're not going to tell you about how it ends. But right. just be warned, there are some sort of key points in terms of development that will be discussed. Yes. All right. So characters. The we, host club is... Con- is made up of characters that are basically very, very rich students um, who have, as it's described in the anime, too much time on their hands. So what they do is they they form a club that entertains the female students that also have way too much time on their hands. And it is quite literally referenced as the school's playground for the elite and wealthy or something like that. The main club is made up of... How many members? It's... Uh, there is Tamaki, the founder, Kyoya, the co-founder, who are second years, um, Honey and Mori, who are third years, the Hitachin twin, Hitachin twins, Kyoya, sorry, <laughs> not Kyoya, Kyoya's not a twin, <laughs> Karu and Hikaru, and then our female lead, Haruki, and the male lead is Tamaki, one of the founders. In Japan, schools usually only have up to three years in high school, whereas in America, they have four years of high school. So in context, a third year would be a senior, and a first year would be what would be known as a sophomore. Wait, really? Yes, because in, I think it's in kindergarten they have an extra year or something. It's in the lower, lower grades they have like an extra year or something. I did not know that. All right, so we mentioned it for like really quick, but Haruki is a scholarship student, so... A lot of the time they refer to her as a commoner and a lot of the things that she does and the places she goes as commoner things. So instant coffee is commoner's coffee. <laughs> she is essentially the viewer's um, guide to a the world of the, the world elite. And of the elite. elite. She's basically like the, um, what do they call it? It's like a... Um, it's like, like in Haikyuu, you have the, um, the, the guy... It's the a coach. Sergei character. Yeah, She's like the Sergei the, character. She's the... Essentially, like, uh, she learn as she's, like, the viewers learn as she learns. She's basically like, imagine uh, one of the club members is this giant thing. She's put there for scale. <laughs> Actually, that's a very good way to put it. Like, right. She's essentially just put there like, okay, whereas you would probably go to a supermarket to buy like your groceries. They have it flown in from England or Russia or like fresh from the source <laughs> because they can. Oh my God. All right. So, we wanted to talk about character development points. So, we're not, because we don't want to give ending, like, spoilers to the ending, we're not going to talk about the female lead and the male lead's character developments, like, in their relationship character development. We will talk about the female's lead, like, relationship developments with other characters, such as the twins, but not with the male lead. Right, also, so. because that's boring, and you're kind of oh, like, that's the that, whole thing of the show. Ugh. So, you get that anyway, so, yeah. Alright, so, you you see, like, for a shonen manga, you see a lot of character developments outside of the main couple. Like, usually in shonen mangas, at least you have the main couple, and then there's everyone else's side characters. But in this, you have the main group, and you see them develop together. The main people you see have character developments, like arcs, are the twins. The Hitachi twins, Hikaru and Karu. Now, to give you a visual for those that may not be familiar, they picture, uh, if you know Harry Potter, picture the Weasley twins, but um, a lot more mischievous. And, and rich. And, and, ri- and a lot richer. Yeah, I'd say they're on an equal level of mischievousness, because, like, you know when What's-Her-Face is, like, the head and they, like, do the whole fire Yeah, that's true. But, I mean, like, they're a lot richer and they're a lot more in sync with one another. It's kind of scary. Yeah, like, like... So, um, like, they're literally sent to the cartoon Weasley twins. Wait, I want to say this. So, you have, like, so there's, like, this whole process that they go through when they do, um, dub, like, voiceovers for dubbing. And so, like, but Todd Habicorn, he's a voice actor, he does a lot of stuff, he voices Hikaru. And I watched him an interview or, like, a panel done by him once, and he... People were asking about like how they did the twins, and especially when they talk at the same time. The twins always talk at the same time. It's very funny. It's a running gag in the show. Yeah, but so he said that it's a race to see who can get into the booth first, because whoever gets into the booth first 
gets to decide the tone of the line. And then whoever gets into the booth second has to copy that tone. Which I find is very in character for twins. <laughs> they would do that. No, no literally though, Todd Capricorn is like the like reincarnation of Higuru. It is beautiful. Todd Capricorn does a lot of things. <laughs> I he's, he's just a great voice actor. Oh my god, I love that man. Not like actually, but like I <laughs> admire him. Celebrity crush. Low key, honestly. Yeah. Low key. <laughs> Alright, so. So the first five episodes of the anime, well, the first four, it's like an introduction of like how the characters interact with each other and the the typical character tropes that you see for each character. So you have Kiyoya, not not Kiyoya, sorry, Tamaki, who is the prince. He of is the shown, like, the very suave, very. Your face is not nearly as beautiful, or er, like this will only be. Best drinking with you, my dear, and like, oh my god. The cherry blossoms could never compare to your beauty and grace. And then the co-founder, Kiyoya. Who is what is known in anime terms as the glasses character, which is essentially the character that he wears glasses, but he's also very, very smart, like on any college. Yes, he's very, he's usually very attractive. (laughs) The glasses character is usually very attractive, Um, but... Kyuya takes this character trope to a very extreme level because, like I said, they're very rich, very powerful and influential, and Kyuya's family quite literally runs a police force in Japan. He has has connections with almost anybody and everybody on the planet of the Earth. It's kind of frightening. But that's the whole running gag, is that he takes that trope to a very extreme. Yeah. And I love they, it. They take all the tropes to the extreme. But that's what makes it a satire. Exactly. <laughs> Alright, and then you have the third years, Honey and Mori, who are, well, Tamaki and Kyoya are also foils for each other, but Honey and Mori, you see that even more so, because I didn't realize Tamaki and Kyoya are foils until earlier today. But anyways... <laughs> So, Mori is the strong, silent type. He literally has a total of ten nines throughout the anime's 26 episodes. Like He's like your stereotypical, like, he has, you know, black hair, he's very tall, very intimidating. He is 6'4". And then you have his little foil, which is Honey Senpai, who is 4'10". <laughs> and Honey Senpai is this cute little childish blonde kid. He's very... He's, like, the oldest member of the club, but he looks like a six-year-old, and it's adorable. So, yeah, it's adorable, but as they refer to him, he is the boy Lolita type. Which is basically, he likes sweet things, he likes cute things, he has, like, a stuffed bunny, which he calls Usa-chan. Adorable. And Usa is short for Usagi, which is Japanese for rabbit. So, in context of what that means, he's basically calling this little stuffed bunny Mr. Bunny. Oh my god, that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. That's quite literally the essential translation of Usa-chan is Mr. Bunny. <laughs> yeah, and then we have the twins, who their whole thing, in like their whole um, shtick in the host club, is forbidden love, incest. <laughs> they, they don't actually, like, that's, they're, that's, they're brothers. They don't, they're brothers, them. they know they're brothers, but their whole shtick is to, like, get the girls into to, like, the host club. Into the host club, they swoon, and they're, like... There's a very like under very sexual undertone with their forbidden love, and they make it very clear that hey, it's just an act. Like when the club is not, when the club is not in uh, business, it's just yeah, we're just gonna mess with with the other members. <laughs> but when the club is in business, it's oh, Kaoru, why don't you tell them what you did to me in bed last night? No, don't tell them. No, it's like. But it's no, very, like, undertone, like, top and bottom exchange. Who's, who's the picture again? <laughs> there is quite literally one episode where um, they're, like, filming some movie, and the one of the twins goes, and how come they they cast Kaudu as the pitcher? Okay, okay, so the older one is the pitcher. The older one is usually the pitcher. <laughs> he kind of was usually the pitcher. For those of you that understand... There's a joke in that. If you don't either. understand, it's we're fine. not gonna say it. Yeah. No, if you don't not. know, then we're not explaining it. <laughs> and then, last but not least, you have Haruki, who is a girl, but like the host club is made up as boys, so nobody else actually knows that she's a girl. But they the refer whole... to her as the natural 
because she gets thrust into this role of being a host club member to pay back a debt that she accidentally warranted by smashing a very expensive face. Remember, she's a she's what they consider a commoner. She's she the average. Have the money to pay back millions and millions of yen. It was like an eighty million yen vase, which I don't even know how to convert that into a normal um, U.S. dollars. But I don't know either. That's probably a lot of money. So, yeah. <laughs> long story short, to pay back her debt, she has to work in disguise as a boy in the host club. And the reason they call her a natural is because is she's uh, never done this before, but the girls love her. She just, her way of being a host is very casual. She's not very over the top, very flirty. She's just, oh, I think coffee goes really good with this kind of milk. Or, oh, I think that's a lovely style for you. And she's just very, like, down to earth. So that's why they call her the natural. It's adorable. All right, so that is the background of the anime. You got an idea of who's who. And if you've seen this, seen the anime before, we've wasted your time. (laughs) And we apologize, but for those of you that haven't and want to get into it, that's essentially what it is. Alright, so today's focus would be what, the twins? Yeah, we're going to talk mostly about the twins because that is where we see a majority of the character developments throughout the show. Like, you see low-key, like, especially in the, so we're not going to mention the last, like, two to three episodes because that's where you get a lot of, like, plot climax, but, like, you, a majority for the main leads, that's where you see their character developments point. In usual shoujo, sh- yeah, shoujo uh, manga and anime, the main character development is the main two couple, or the, like the main couple, like yeah. the main, the male lead and the female lead. Whereas, because this is also a uh, satire genre, you get character pokes fun at that by drawing the attention not just to the main characters but to the side characters as well. Yeah. So you have a lot of so a lot of the character development focuses on the twins, and. Like, there's this whole thing, like, we'll get into it, but, so, a lot of the time, one of the characters will be narrating when you have a episode that has a lot of character developments, and it is always Karu who is narrating, because that is, he is most aware of what is going on with everyone else in the club, and how their characters are developing as the year or semester progresses. progresses. And I just kind of noticed that right now, so I'm very, wow. <laughs> um, essentially, Kaoru is the younger twin, but he's a lot more mature and observant. He's a bit more serious when it comes to things outside of the club. Yes. Which is funny because he's not the pitcher. He got it with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Oh, God. All right. So, do we want to... Like, just dive straight in, or do we want some more background? Uh, so we dive straight in. We've given them enough exposition. <laughs> Alright, so, first character development episode is episode five, the twins fight. So, it's about a twin that has a fight with his other twin, and how it gets resolved. Yes, very exciting. Oversimplification, but that's essentially what it is. But, so... How it starts, the episode starts with a flashback of the twins when they're in elementary school. And so they're sitting on a bench, and this girl walks up to them and asks if they want to play. And the twins ask the girl, who are you talking to? And she says to both of you. The twins respond, There's nobody named both of us here. So she says, to you, Karu and Hikaru. And they ask her, which will play with you if you can tell which one is Hikaru. And essentially, this is what opens the viewer up to their view of the world. Because not only is it that they're very rich, and that means that already their world is very closed off because they're such a high class, their world is only limited to other of those in their class. Yeah, but so like we'll explain a little bit more. They have a very warped personality of the world when they're little. So the beginning of the twins fights, you, so we mentioned that like the twins have this whole like trope in the host club where they're like the forbidden love thing and that's how they get their customers or clients, if you want to call it. And they play this game with the girls called, which one of us is Hikaru? And so there's this whole thing that like nobody's able to tell them apart. But then in comes Haruhi while they're playing that game and she immediately identifies who is who? 
and she gives a reasoning why. She says that Hikaru is more mischievous. And all of a sudden, they start arguing about the differences between the two, and it starts building and building and building, and then all of a sudden they start talking about school grades, and it's building, and it's building, and it's building. I hate you! We're through! Blah, 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 blah. And the fights begin. They break up. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And what this illustrates is that this, it's pointed out soon after, this is essentially their first fight. But well, well, that's near the end, so... No, not even near the end, but just... Yeah, it is. Well, yes, but, I mean, it's it's illustrated, before they even say it, that it's, a, it's made clear that they don't really know how to deal with a fight. Because yes. beforehand, it's illustrated that they were, before this point, essentially like one entity. They were like that trope that twins do... Things say everything alike in sync. At the same time, that whole stereotypical thing that twins are of one mind, especially when they are identical twins. And this is only this is only magnified because not only are they like this, but because they're rich, it means that their worldview is even more closed off. Yes. So like they have this whole fight thing, like I could get into the differences about the fight between anime and the manga. But that would be a lot more stuff and information, but we're talking about character development. So we don't need to get into all of that. But anyway, so like you have the whole idiotic, all the idiotic fight sequences, food fights, like all the stupid stuff. They're throwing stuff at each other. And so you get towards the end of the anime. And Emily already said that it's revealed that this is their first fight. And that's like when it is actually mentioned. Honey Senpai says to Haruhi that he's known the twins since elementary school and he's never seen them fight before. And so Haruhi comes to this realization that like they don't know how to end the fight. And like that whole conversation is happening and then all of a sudden you have Karu, like like they're arguing, they're arguing in the background at this moment, but you have Karu, he pulls out Belzneff, the cursed doll, like which is bought from another student in the school who is part of the occult club, which is like Black this magic club. Black magic. He's like this stereotypical creepy, stays in the shadows. Like, I think at some point it's uh, implied that he's like allergic to light or something that like is, that. There's a whole episode dedicated to that. Yeah, but the whole thing is that he's like this creepy student. He introduces this cursed doll, and that's just at the start of the episode, but that's yeah, where he pulls so. it from. In comes Haruhi to save the day after Karu pulls out the curse doll. He says he's going to write Higuru's name on it. So Haruhi bonks them both on the head and you have the like anime sound like the doop. <laughs> um, so you get the doop sound and she yells at them like, that is too extreme. That is, this is so idiotic. What the heck are you guys doing? And she's like, if you guys don't stop fighting, I'll never bring you over to my house. And, like, as we mentioned before, there's this whole different thing in, like, class. And, like, everyone in the club is, like, very high class, like, heirs to, like, billion-dollar corporations and companies, blah, blah, blah. They've never been to a commoner's house before. So they're very interested by it. So, so she this says is a big that, deal. Yeah. That she, that they even, this was even brought up. Because yes. they did mention wanting to see how she lives, but okay. she kept denying them. Yeah, so that happens, and then all of a sudden, the twins do their like stereotypical creepy turn thing where they do it at the same time, and you get like all the black lines and whatnot. And they say at the same time, So you're saying if we stop fighting, we can go to your house. And everybody's like, Wait, stop a second. What is going on? The entire fight was a sham. They were bored, and they wanted something to amuse them. Because they say at the beginning of the episode that there wasn't really much to do. They wanted something to entertain them. And this is another il illustration of not only that they're mischievous, but also because they're so rich and so, like, high up on the social ladder. They don't they, know how to socialize normally. They, they don't really don't. Almost no. There's such a difference between their class and, say, Haruhi's class. Or even just, like, class D's in the school. Yeah, like. but... There's such a difference that it's quite literally an entirely different world. They may not know how to interact with a normal person the way that Haruhi can. Yeah, so Karu, as he's narrating it, the episode ends with Karu saying it has always been their world, the twins, and everybody else. 
and there's just this barrier between them and everybody else. But if somebody has finally broken through that barrier, being Haruki, and it's like, this is how I see it, she's literally their best friend. Like, she's the person who drags them out of, like, their hole that they've been in. Like, it's... That, that's how I see it, at least. Like, you can go into this whole thing of, like, how... You can really psychoanalyze these two. I'm sorry. Like, you probably... It really helps so that you get a lot of the character development from them, so you have a lot of information to go off of. What's interesting as well is that on the topic of, like, class and social, like, class, is that when Haruhi asks them, like, why they were fighting so much, what this whole deal was, she asks them, like, why am I to you? And one of them replies, you're a toy. They say it at the same time. Yeah, they say at the same time, you're essentially our toy. And, like, in the context of, we're rich, we're bored, we got nothing better to do. We're going to screw with your emotions, we're going to screw with your, uh, you know, like, your your mood. We're just going to, like, mess with you. Because we're bored, you're essentially our plaything. And as the anime goes on, that perception towards Haruhi changes. Like, as she dives deeper into their world. It's very interesting. So... We could go about, like, a couple of other episodes that really focus on their, like, whole character development, but I want to talk about episode 21, Until the Day Becomes a Pumpkin. So... Was that the episode we, with the, uh, Halloween or was that... Oh, well, right. That is episode 20, the door, the twins open. So, real quick before that. There's an episode where it talks about how Tamaki recruits the twins to become part of the host club. And, like, he, he knew, Tomki knew very early on who he wanted to be part of the host club. It was very interesting, but, like, we're not going to get into that. So, essentially, in, the, in that episode, there's a flashback to, again, when they're in elementary school or preschool or something. And so they're, it's, like, illustrated that up until this point, they've always been viewed as, like, one entity. You had yeah, you, these two and the other two. Uh, the flashback where they're both in dresses. I'm yes. Sorry, just like, There's a flashback where they're both in dresses, one in pink and one in blue. Um, and they, essentially... Their aunts or whoever gets their them used. Any, everybody in their family could never tell them apart. It was a common thing that, essentially, they were just viewed as one entity because they acted so similar. They looked... Quite literally, I think, well, you could I not tell think, them apart. Like, I'm just kind of thinking about it. Like, they might have just started to do that whole thing because, like, people really couldn't tell them apart. So they're like, maybe we are one. So we'll do this whole thing. But thinking about that, like, that really I mean, did warp their perspective on an already warped perspective of life. Because yeah. on top of being rich and being closed off essentially to the rest of the world and the rest of the world's classes and everything else, you're also being told, hey, you and your brother are essentially one entity entirely. Yeah, but so what really and it like, triggers a complex within them. Yeah, but what really puts that into place is we have this flashback in this episode where there's a maid that they really like and they really like to play with, and there's a scene where the maid is trying to steal something from their family. I think she's trying to open the safe. I I don't know what it was. I think it was money, from, jewels, something, something, checks. She turned whatever. out to be a thief even though the twins considered her, like, the only person they considered. Yeah, so she's trying to open the safe, and they say, if you play with us, we'll give you the code to the safe. So they give her the codes, they're doing whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not sure how exactly, I don't remember how exactly well, transitions from They gave her, like, three days to figure out which one of them was Hikaru or something. This is before they developed yeah. the game. They said that you have three days to tell us apart. Yeah, but she, by that point, but she that figures out the code, actually. And so they catch her leaving out leaving the house through a window and they say like i thought you were going to play with us whatever blah blah what happened to our deal you were supposed in exchange for the code you were to tell which one of us was hikaru or like if you, you were tell us apart we'll give you the code yes and so she says to them i'm sorry boys i don't think anybody will ever be able to tell you apart and it's like this very like kind of sad moments where you realize that this is where the view was really warped this is what essentially triggered that warped view because if you stop and think about it, like not only did they trust this woman more than anyone else in the house, but on top of that, they figured that they were close enough for her to be able to tell the difference, only yeah. for her to like betray them, steal the code, and blatantly turn around and say, yeah, no, sorry, I can't do it, can't do it. goodbye, okay. and leave in the night, and they never saw her again. And as a little kid, that's that's very impressionable. Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
So I think that that really made it clear for viewers that that's what triggered that entire warped mentality on top of an already warped mentality due to their high social status. Yes. And so we were going to talk about the episode 21 until the day it becomes a pumpkin. So as per usual, when there is a character narrating, it's Karu. And he talks about how, like, he basically so talks it's about... It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. They're, they're on Cinderella's carriage, and it eventually it will turn back into a pumpkin. And so what, how I interpret that is he's talking about... So as, when you're kids, you don't really expand your view of the world. You're stuck in your, like, childlike view, which child, a child's view of the world is very fascinating and interesting. I, I love it. But, like, they have this world and this perception, and when the clock strikes 12, it no longer exists. It turns back to the pumpkin, you go to reality, you go into the world of adults. And that's what happens in high school. You see that a lot throughout, like, the semester or the year, however long the host club, the anime lasts. You see that, like, they're in high school and things are changing. Uh, eventually, and slowly, the spell is wearing off. Exactly. The clock will strike 12. Everyone has their 12 o'clock. Yes. And so, Karu is very aware of that idea. And, like, that's his theory. Eventually, the twins' world will change. And it will change when Hikaru runs to somebody else and relies on somebody else besides Karu. And that becomes blatantly obvious in this episode. Because for the first time in a while, or, you know, ever, usually uh, Karu is so used to Hikaru running to him for comfort. Like, their whole yeah. shtick is literally like... what happens in the episode, but, like... The he... whole shtick is incest at their club thing. That's the whole yeah. joke. But it really does... The fact that it is incest, this dependency upon one and the other... Even that is a very extreme view of how close-knit they are up until this point. And yeah. it's essentially a metaphor for the coming of age, which is high school. Because in high school, that worldview begins Again. to shift. More friends. Because More friends like, as you're being forced to go out into the world and figure out your future. And even if you're not rich, that's something that everybody goes through. When you're younger and you have a sibling, or like... For most people, at least, you have a sibling and you rely on that sibling for everything. Or, like, you have your best friend and you rely on that best friend for everything. That's how that's who you go to with your problems. That's who you speak to about everything. You share your secrets to that person. And so Karu is like, one day, for Hikaru, I won't be that person anymore. And I don't know what I'm going to do when that day comes. Like, he's accepted this as a fact, but he also admits that it's also kind of scary because... If, when that day comes, he's not going to know what to do. Yeah, so, like, I know we said we're not really going to talk about the ending of the anime. We're not going to tell you how it ends, of course. But, like, so the this episode ends with, like, his old metaphor that one day the clock will strike 12. And the anime ends with the clock striking 12. Wait, does it actually? Well, I mean, pretty much, I haven't yeah. seen the end. <laughs> I haven't seen the end of this anime but, like, because it comes that I get really, really emotionally into anime when I watch it, so I don't like finishing anime. She, she would ball her eyes oh out. Oh my god, I cry. I'm so emotional. Oh god. So, like, it comes around full circle, that whole idea that, like, it's high school and things are changing. And, so like, it's comedy. supposed to be a satire anime, and it's supposed to be very much comedy. But it, it but does like, point it down. really does hit those, like, not really, like, hard topics, but, like, those topics that you kind of see in high school as you're going through puberty and all this stuff that's changing. You start dating people. Your friend groups start expanding. Maybe you lose childhood trends. Like, but if you think about it, it's only ever magnified due to their social status because that, yeah. as you grow up, you're forced to interact with people outside of just this little shell or bubble that you Especially know about your life. Yeah. And for somebody that's just grown up in this secluded world of the rich and wealthy and powerful, that only ever becomes more magnified because as you're forced to grow out in the world, you're also going to be forced to interact with people outside of your class for what could be the first time in your life. And for everybody in the host club, that person is Haruhi. She breaks the mold. Exactly. And pulls them out a bunch of their whole, like, their, their, whatever like, they're she could you, know? you could essentially argue she prepared them for this to come because, like, oh, she was... Yeah. 
if they didn't have Haruhi, they would be the sheltered bubble little. Like um, you really I, do see this. Maybe change. not for Tamaki. Maybe not for Tamaki. Like, there's but like, this whole like background thing about Tamaki that you don't know about because you haven't seen the end. And so like if you haven't seen the end, you wouldn't know about it. But like there's this whole thing where like I'm not gonna get into it. Actually. Yeah, don't get into it. <laughs> no spoilers. Um, <laughs> but you really could psychoanalyze the twins as an example of this. You could psychoanalyze them for hours. Oh my god, on it's ridiculous. Like, Really go into each little part of because their personalities because it's I mean you pointed out that they contradict themselves. This want to be separated by you know who's Hikaru, who's Kaoru, but at the same time, this warped view that's just been part of them for so long. It's contradicting them. and conflicting. With yeah, them. it's them, and then there's everybody else, and that's just always how it's been. But they don't exactly want it to be that way. You could also argue that they have a far more extreme version because everyone in that social class has that view. A little bit, yeah. But they have it twice as bad because they're twins. Because yes. they're viewed as one entity. Yeah. It's very... very that actually makes me wonder, like, if they were to inherit the... You know how it's like a whole thing where, like, their classes... It's like, oh, the business oh, is handed down to the so oldest. You don't do you ever, like, you gotta wonder, like, what happened, what would happen, would they both inherit the business, or one of them so inherit you, the business? So you see, like, about, like, Honey's family, you see about Kyoya's family, you see about Tamaki's family, you learn a little bit about Mori's family as you learn about Honey's family, they are cousins, by the way. Um, but you don't see much about the twins' family, actually. You know you that they're, like, fashion designers, really their parents are yeah, fashion designers. That's literally only the, the, like, one thing you learn about their family. That, that's really like, it. But, like, I wonder, because well, of anime-wise, at least, I, I don't know, I'm, I, I don't haven't read manga. the manga, I'm mm -hmm. working on it, so we'll probably have another episode where we, like, like analyze the manga versus the anime. Because, but, like, Kyoya, it's literally pointed out that he has to work twice as hard, despite having all these powerful connections, because his older brother has got... The older brother? Older brother, yeah. Older brother's gonna get the company I, instead. I think there's three, he has three, so two siblings, and he's the youngest of the three. But because he, he is the sister? youngest, I think he has a sister. Something yeah. like that. But because he's the youngest, he has to work twice as hard to make sure that if he wants the family's name, he has to keep, or the family well, company. To prove himself. To prove himself. Like, you know? Just, like, you look at him in the club, and you're thinking, this is one powerful person. Like, but then, he has the connections, he knows everything about everybody, it's almost kind of creepy. But then you learn that he's not as powerful as he's made out to be in context to the rest of his family. Because he really has to prove himself. He's the youngest of the yeah, and then three siblings? Yeah, I think, I think it's two older brothers and sister. Honestly, I'm not sure if that's his sister or... I, I'd have to rewatch that episode, honestly. But so that, that's one of the like, last three episodes. You learn the complexities of each class and how it kind of plays into their character development. Yeah. Because Haruhi really brings these boys down to earth in context to what, what what could have happened when they hit the real world had she not been part of the host club. It's very interesting. And we could keep talking about this for many hours. Yeah, it's... it's but it probably starts to get boring. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped something. Oh, no. Okay. So... What do we want to talk about now? Do we have anything else? Or... Um, let's see. I think we could also talk about, like, you said, you mentioned the relationship between... Another thing with the higher-up class could also be the relationship in families, the ties in families. Yeah. Like, it, Honey and Mori are a good example of that. They're both third years, but um, they're also very close. So, so like, before you family, even... Like, you got a head family, and then you got, like, the family who serves, serves them. Serves them, yes. In, like, higher-up class... You have like that whole trope where it's like you have one family in power and then you have another family that has probably served them for generations that yeah. becomes maybe like related by marriage or blood or whatever it might have been. Like Honey and Mori are essentially that trope of uh, rich and powerful yeah. status because yeah. you have Honey Nozuka, uh, their family are very, very powerful. They're known for their martial arts. Like they're, they're hired by the military to do training in martial arts. And like, Honey cannot crazy. travel to the United States because he is quite literally classified as a human weapon. He is that powerful in martial arts. It is frightening. Also, Mori is a champion in kendo, which is a Japanese style of sword fighting. But it is um, illustrated in the episode, um, Tropical, what was it, Tropical Beach SOS? That is Tropical Jungle, Jungle Pool SOS, SOS episode 7. Yes, so it's, um... 
it's clarified that Honey and Mori, despite already being very close, uh, that they are actually related by either blood or marriage. I can't remember. They're cousins. They're cousins. They yeah. don't really go much deeper into that, but long yeah. story short, so you find out that Morty treasures Honey's friendship and relation very she closely. She was very extreme. Like, like he, Morty sometimes sense like he's the silent, silent type. He doesn't talk a lot. He has maybe one line an episode, and there are episodes where he literally does not talk at all. Like, like the... Wait, no, he does have a line in that one. Never mind. But no, so <laughs> there's one episode, and this is illustrated a lot. In one episode, Honey Senpai, who is, like we like you mentioned earlier, he is the boy Lolita. He's very cutesy. Are you talking about the one where you brother? No. Oh, never mind. Um, he's very cutesy. He's very, like, adorable. He looks like a six-year-old. He kind of acts like a six-year-old in and he out of the club. Things. It's adorable. But, Considering this family does martial arts, that means that his father wants him to be very tough, very manly. He's not allowed to like cutesy things. The very, very stereotypical toxic masculinity. It's like up until the point where, you know, Tamaki, who had wanted him to join the club, kind of pulled him out of this toxic masculinity. But I would say he kind of saved Honey because, he like, really Mori, did. as someone who's part of the family, he couldn't do that. Yeah, but my, so. my main point in this was that. In one episode, Honey gets a cavity from eating too many sweets and probably forgetting mm -hmm. to brush his teeth. But during, it's called Honey's Three Bitter Days. And essentially, as Honey is going through this like pain and like, you know, dealing with this cavity, it's very, it's made very clear that Morty feels responsible or he just feels very guilty and very like withdrawn. Yeah. And throughout the episode, Eventually, Honey can't take it anymore because they've taken snacks away from the club, they've taken sweets away from him. And Mori blatantly says to him, no, you cannot. So Honey goes off on this thing like, I hate you, how could you? <laughs> he just, you know, he reaches a breaking point. And essentially, he quite literally, like, he takes Mori by the arm and flips him over his shoulder and slams him on the ground. Honey is 4'10 and Mori is 6'4". He's a tall guy. Oh my god. But That's essentially, difference. Honey can't take it anymore. So he flips Morty over his shoulder and slams him. That's and he's a and half difference. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, he screams at him. He goes, I hate you, Takashi, which is Morty's first name. Yeah. And then essentially it echoes in him. It kind of like closes up on Morty's face and you just he hear, I hate you, Takashi. I hate you, Takashi. And it echoes. And he runs out of the room and cries. And, and Morty gets all depressed, and it's really like. Oh, yeah, Morty gets up, he kind of falls back over, and. That's no, what he discovered. He into a wall or something. He like goes to lean on a table, and the table falls over, and he falls over again. Because he can't deal with it. Like, they're, they're so close, and like having that happen, it's like, what's the actual bad word? <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> well, I was thinking something more extreme, but yes. Yes, anyway, so you kind of learn that he blames himself for this happening. Even though Haruhi he points out that Honey is like, what, 18? 17 in the 17, anime, 18, 18 in the manga. It's like not as exactly Morty's uh, responsibility to look after his cavities and his teeth brushing habits, but <laughs> I guess it's, but that's exactly the point. It's that it doesn't matter that Honey's 18 or 17, Morty feels responsible because it's that family tie. Yeah, also, he likes Honey a lot. Like, their relationship he loves is so honey. sweet. It's just, like, like, if they were cousins, you would totally end up shipping them. But, yeah, no, so it's... The way that uh, Haruhi looks at it, it's, he's technically 18. That's not your responsibility. That's his own fault. Yeah. But it's not that way because of the class. It's That's not the point. The point is, I feel responsible because I'm the one that was always the one to look after Honey to keep him safe. You know, and I've neglected my duties, and therefore he got hurt due to my carelessness. Like, you can blatantly see the differing views of, yeah. like, over a cavity, you know? Like, it's it's kind of scary. Yeah, you don't really see a lot of character developments for them. You, maybe in the episode where you meet Honey's, like, little brother, or maybe that's just learning more about his character. But, like... But essentially, it's just a lot about their relationship. But really. they are the like, they are oh the essential God. example of that whole dynamic of family in power serving family that yeah. is like below a little below them. Yes. Although they so I don't know. Did we mention like the classes of the school? You didn't. No, okay. So the way it works is that you have 
Class A, which consists of the heirs of billion-dollar corporations and companies. And then you have Class B, C, D. Class D consists of students who are the sons and daughters of Yakuza, which is Japanese Mafia. And yeah, so everybody in the host club is Class A, with Haruki being the exception to that being Class A, despite being a scholarship student. She is a special case. So that's how that works. So essentially, um, which I find very interesting because even if the Yakuza members are very powerful, like rich, powerful, well, they don't have like the pedigree. Like they're seen as lower, as like, lower, but they're still very powerful. Elite standards, especially because when you think about it, the the, the Yakuza are mafia. The only reason they're powerful is because they're violent. So yes. essentially, they're like the lowest, yet they're still very influential. Yeah. Um. You you mean I think like a total well there's one character who's around for like two episodes but there you meet a couple of Yakuza characters and like their whole thing which I think is pretty cool we can get into that discussion yeah. in another episode but like yeah so it it just it's a very good anime and honest I discovered this anime when I was in middle school and you never um, finished it <laughs> I never finished it because I we've been through this I get too emotionally involved oh, in yeah. shows too quickly and I I, and I, I became like a weeb after you I've watched it twice. <laughs> Like, come on, dude. <laughs> so, essentially, when I was in middle school, I was in middle school around the time anime wasn't very popular. Back when, um, if I was in anime. Yeah, like, 2010s. Um, and I didn't have a lot of people Early to talk Early 2010s. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of people to talk about it with. It was like, I had maybe two or three other friends that even knew what anime was. Let alone watch the shows that I did. So it was a big deal for me when I made friends that knew that this was a show. It was a cool show, you know? And as I got older and as time went on, it slowly became more mainstream. Yeah, I wouldn't, like, I would say there's still this, like, stereotype about, like, like, you are a nerd, really, if you like anime. But, like, I, I don't know. No, I okay, just so feel like you take an anime like uh, My Hero Academia. Yeah. Even if you don't know anime, you might recognize maybe Deku's face, or you might recognize well, like, the like name. That's saying like you recognize like Pokemon or Dragon Ball, but like people like especially when well you have a little bit, you'd have people who get like made fun of for watching them. Yeah, but like like the reason for this podcast topic is because I remembered having that kind of like a loneliness kind of a feeling and. It just, it gives me something to relate to when I meet other people that I can talk about this with. And it makes me really happy. And I, I don't know, it's just, it kind of had me remember. So I figured we'd start this podcast with an episode of a show that I had gotten into when I was introduced to anime. I would also say, like, for, like, our community of anime people, everybody knows this anime. It's, like, one of the starter, it's, it's you, I call it a starter anime. Yeah, it's a, like, you got to watch. If you're getting into anime, it's a got to watch. Because, it's a really like, good show. It's a really good introduction one. Like, if somebody tells you to start watching anime with One Piece, don't listen to don't them. Don't listen to them. That's an idiotic idea. Like, One Piece <laughs> is amazing. I highly suggest you watch it. One Piece but is amazing. Don't start with it. There's over 900 episodes. It's over 9,000! That was too loud. Excuse me. Um, I was making a reference. I I, I know. But, <laughs> and, and it's going to keep going. There's over 1,000 chapters. Like, yeah, same with Naruto. Naruto's a good anime, but those. don't start with Naruto. Don't start it's with too those. long. <laughs> if, like, some animes are infamous for being crazy long, like Naruto or One Piece. Or Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball. Oh my god, Dragon Ball. Um, like you'll have five episodes where they're just screaming at each other. I haven't watched Dragon Ball, so that's my perception of it. And that is that's, a lot of people's perception I'm sure that that's second Even wouldn't. for people who watch the show. So. But. Yeah. Yeah, so that's some backstory behind this podcast. But, you know, if you're just getting into anime, or if you like anime a lot and you like listening to people's opinions or even just like you thoughts. should probably start with this a comedy slice of life one it's a good like, way to transition into anime and it also yeah. helps you to really kind of get an idea of how animes work you exactly. don't you don't i wouldn't suggest starting with a shonen anime because those can get very intense very fast so like yeah yeah it's <laughs> like a slice of life are very good animes to start with because it's yeah. it, 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 it easy like to they're very out. idiotic but like it's a good way to get like because there's not a lot of plot it's not like you're sitting on the edge of your seat where you're like oh my god 
I don't understand. And because anime has a lot of like Japanese cultural references, yeah, with slice of life thing. The sneeze thing? You haven't heard, like, like when someone's talking behind somebody's back, like, it's a superstition that that person will sneeze. Oh. I you never heard of that one? I have, but I didn't. Yeah, I that's referenced sometimes. Yeah, so, like, if it, when you're dealing with cultural shock in terms of, like, norm, normalities in Japan, a slice of life is easier for you to get an idea of how they work versus, like, say, a shonen anime where they will make those references, but you may not get them because... Really they're going on about, fast. they're very quickly, yeah. they do it very quickly, it's very like, it'll fly right over your head. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, anything else you want to you wanna mention before we, uh... So, but, as a transition, I guess, to what will likely be our next episode, we mentioned earlier about a distribution, anime distribution company in North America called Funimation. So there are companies that do dubbing and voiceovers, and a lot of the time, especially for Funimation, you will have actors who voice the same characters in other anime. So, for example, in Orange High School Host Club, the voice actor of Hikaru, Tamaki, Haruhi, Kiyoya, Mori, and Honey are all in the anime Full Metal Alchemist, although that's probably like though all those voice actors were very, were there very early on, and that Full Metal Alchemist was also one of the earlier animes Funimation did, but they're all in the same animes. <laughs> it's very amusing and, and you have freaky to listen to because then like you'll be watching Full Metal and all of a sudden you hear Tomiki talking in your ear. It's it's weird. It's, it's, it's a it's a fun game actually that yeah. like, we like to play. It's, Who's that yes. voice actor? <laughs> or rather, like, how yeah, many so animes has this person voiced? In our next episode, if you guys want to tune in, we'll be talking about the history of anime in North America and how it really got started and how companies like Funimation and Crunchyroll helped it to get started. And then you look at companies like 4Kids that kind of just made it worse. Well, One no, piece. they actually helped <laughs> get Pokemon. Yeah, yeah, and then you look at One Piece that they slaughtered. Don't, don't watch the One Piece 4Kids stuff. Little... <laughs> no. <laughs> and, yeah. Anything else? Not really. This is Julia and Emily signing off. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye!